You are listening to the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week. For more resources, visit us at lifepoint.cc. Kids are awesome, and uh, I hear testimony after testimony of the things that happen during Kids Point, and we are blessed um, that our kids get to experience all that's happening uh, downstairs, but also at camp at Sunstream. Uh, for some of you guys that might not know me, my name is Riley Edwards, and I um, officially just transitioned onto uh, a role here at LifePoint Church in a, different, a few different ways, but um, one of the more visible ways would be uh, with the youth. Um, so if you're in 6th grade through 12th grade, I want to be your friend. I want to hang out with you. I want to meet you, and I want you to feel like you are welcome to come to youth group. Um, we're going to take a break in August, and then we're going to meet back up in September um, at the Yellow House across the parking lot. And you are invited, and your friends are invited, and I want you there. Um, yeah, and I guess for some of you guys that don't know me, um, one thing about me is that I love wrestling. I, I love the sport of wrestling, and I know I need to clarify because there's half of you that think one thing and half of you think the other thing. Uh, I am talking about like high school wrestling, college wrestling, Olympic wrestling, not WWE wrestling. Um, but I will admit that there was a large portion of my life that I loved WWE wrestling. <laughs> you know, and for you guys that know, my favorite wrestler was Rey Mysterio, and he, he's awesome. Um, but in ninth grade, uh, I, started, I, I tried out for the wrestling team for the first time. Uh, my friend Seth was obsessed with wrestling since he was like three years old, and he finally talked me, out, uh, talked me into going out in ninth grade, and I quickly fell in love with the sport. Um, I was not good at the sport, and there was a time that first year where I uh, might have wrestled with my singlet on backwards, <laughs> but I, I loved the sport. I, I loved it a lot. Um, and I eventually actually walked on to the, the, the wrestling team at my local community college. Uh, it was a very good team. Lots of people from across the nation that just beat up on me every day in practice. And it was very fun. Um, and actually, I, I ended my career there as an All-American, um, but just not in wrestling as an academic All-American. Um, I, I won three matches in college. Two of them were against the same kid. And that's what, what it was like. But I love the sport. I love it. And if, 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 if I didn't love the sport, I couldn't have made it through those years of wrestling because the practices are grueling. The room is stinky and hot. You have to deal with, you know, skin disease and all those things, cutting weight, um, just lots of fun things. And... Um, I couldn't have made it through even if I just loved competing on Saturdays. I needed to love the sport completely to, to make it through and actually not just uh, make it through, but enjoy those moments. Enjoy the time that I spent in wrestling. And in some way or another, I think the same idea is true with our faith. If we don't, uh, we won't be able to make it without true love for God. We need to love God if we want to live the lives that we are created for. And we need to love God and not just church on Sunday mornings. We need to love God and not just doing nice things or serving. We need to love God and not just the opportunity to use our talents in front of other people. 
We need to love God first and foremost. We need to love God, period. And I'm sure we all know the greatest commandments that Jesus uh, gave us. He says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And for me personally, I think um, I can tend to blend those two verses together. Um, but I do want to highlight to us that they are two different commands with a natural hierarchy in, in um, how we pursue them. And I would say that we cannot properly fulfill any other commandment without getting that first commandment right. We need to firstly love God with our heart, soul, and mind, period, and allow everything else to come out as a response to that love connection. So today I'm not going to pretend like I'm speaking something complex or something that you've never heard of before, but what I want to talk about today is something that we need to get right each and every day if we want to thrive as Christians. When things get hard, when people don't like us, when we don't get the credit that we think that we deserve, whatever it is, we need to be established in love for God. If we don't, we run the risk of uh, giving up on our faith entirely. Or even worse, we um, could fall into the category of coming to the end of our lives and realizing that what we've done means nothing. We don't want to fall into the category of uh, people that are told that our actions are nothing more than the sound of a clanging cymbal, or worse, that Jesus never even knew us. So what I want each of us to do is to allow our hearts to reconfigure on the thing that is most important, the most important objective of our lives, which is loving God first. So um, if you guys have your Bibles, we're going to dive into Scripture in, in the book of 1 John in chapters 4 and 5, if you want to turn your Bibles there. We'll start in verse 13. 1 John 4.13 says this, And God has given us his spirit as proof that we live in him and he in us. Furthermore, we have seen with our own eyes and now testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. All who declare that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them, and they live in God. We know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in his love. God is love, and all who live in God, who live in love, live in God, and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment, and this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. We love each other. We love God because he first loved us. And the first point I want us to look at today is that we love God because he loved us first. Now it says it right there in verse 19. If we want to love God, we need to be abundantly aware that it is not, um, 
able to be based on our own efforts. Um, it's not because that we try to love God that we love God. It's not out of effort and it's not out of duty that we love God well. We are able to love God because we are made aware of the love that he has for us. When we are awakened to the reality that God is love and that God made love and that God loved us before we had any care in the world for him, our whole lives are changed and we become infatuated with this loving God. In verse 16, it says that when we know that Jesus is the son of God and that he came to die and take away our sins, that we are able to have faith to trust in the love that God has for us. Our love from God comes from this knowledge and faith that God loves us. And I think that this is one of the biggest stumbling blocks that we put in our, our way sometimes between us and God. The idea that we can't know if God loves us for sure, or sometimes we even choose to decide on our own that he can't love us personally. But we know through scripture that God loves us, that God loves you and that God loves me. And personally, I know that I struggled with believing that God loved me personally. I didn't struggle with the idea that God is real, but I did struggle with believing that I meant much to God in the grand scheme of his plan. And this didn't lead to um, spiritual life and, and joy and blessing in my life. Because it says in in Hebrews, that without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists, but also that he rewards those who seek him. And it wasn't until I knew the love that God had for me and that I trusted in that knowledge, I believed in that knowledge, that I experienced the transformative love of God. Everything began to change for me. I no longer was doing things to try and earn my salvation or uh, earn approval from God. But I began to understand that God already loved me and had already made a way for a relationship with me, to experience a relationship with him through Jesus long before I accepted him. The love that God has for us isn't a mystery. The love that God has for us is expressed to us through the written word of God. And if we believe that the Bible is, in fact, the written word of God, how can we ever say that God does not love us? How can we dare say that God does not love us? How can we not see the depth of God's love for us? That he pursued us even though we rejected him? that he would live amongst us by leaving his throne in heaven to come to us in the person of Jesus, that he willingly accepted death on a cross by us and for us so that the sins that we committed against him could not only be forgotten but paid for in full, and that he would take out the power of sin and death in our life, giving us the ability to live with him forever in heaven if we choose him over this world. If we know this to be true, we respond to this love by putting our whole trust in this love with our whole lives. When we, 
when we do this, we're able to grow in God's perfect love that casts out all fear and allows us to be confident in our standing before God. We do not have to wonder about our standing with God when we declare that Jesus is our Lord and Savior. We have confidence through the word of God and also by the Holy Spirit coming to live within us that God is with us. He is living with us. And we get to have confidence and security in God's love because, and we're able to love God back because he expressed this love to us first. And our hearts cannot help but respond by living in loving and intimate relationship with him. So how do we express the love that God has, has given us or taught us? The love that we have for God. We'll continue on in 1 John 4. We'll read 4.20 through 5.5. 5. In 1 John 4.20 it says, If someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person is a liar. For if we do not love people who we can see, how can we love God whom we cannot see? And he has given us this command. Those who love God must also love their fellow believers. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has become a child of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves his children too. We know we love God's children if we love God and obey his commandments. Loving God means keeping his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. For every child of God defeats this evil world, and we achieve this victory through our faith. And who can win this battle against the world? Only those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. So one thing that we can see from those verses is that we have the ability and the expectation to express our love for God outward in our lives. We express this love that we receive from God through following God's commands. And in verse 21, God commands us to love each other, to love our fellow believers, to love our brothers and sisters, to love our neighbors. And this is the second point that I want to touch on today, which is when we love God first, we will love others well. When we love God first, the result of that will be that we love others well. And these verses, uh, they don't hold back on the fact that loving God has to coincide with loving each other. John says that you are a liar if you say that you love God, but you hate your fellow believer. And I hope that uh, that's not an issue that we deal with in this room today. But if it is, we have to deal with that. I know that, um, believe it or not, that I struggle with loving everybody. You know, there's sometimes there's people that I have less patience for for whatever reason. And um, I'm really good at justifying that to myself. Why I can treat somebody with less than God's love. But I cannot justify that well enough to God. You know, Jesus died for me while I was still his enemy. Jesus forgave the people that crucified him. Jesus loved the disciple that he knew was going to betray him. 
We have no footing to hate each other if we follow Jesus. Even if you choose not to use as strong of a word as hate, um, we're not just called to, to put up with each other, we're called to love each other. And if we love God, and if we're in a living relationship with him, living and loving relationship with him, it is hard for us to have hard hearts towards each other. When we are connected to God's perfect love, our love becomes more perfect as well. It isn't until we detach from uh, the relationship with God that we're able to start harboring those feelings of hatred or disdain towards one another. And that place is a scary and slippery slope that we need to deal with quickly. Otherwise, it's going to destroy us. And again, there's been many times where I've had to come intentionally to God and um, express my feelings towards somebody to him and say, God, I don't want to just say that I love this person and not mean it, but I actually want to love them. Can you please change my heart for this person? Allow me to see your heart for them and, and allow my heart to align with your heart towards them. And he will do that every single time we allow him to. There isn't a person that he will leave us with ill will towards if we genuinely bring it to God. And again, especially as believers, we need to be tenderhearted to each other. We are the family of God. And to be a part of the family of God, that means that at one point or another, each of us personally realized how broken we are, how much grace we need personally. So shouldn't we be quick to extend grace and forgiveness to one another? When we hate each other, we are unable to love God. So if you need to change your heart about someone today, I encourage you, I implore you, do so today. If you need to forgive somebody or ask for forgiveness from somebody, again, I encourage you to do something about that today. Because if we love God first, we will also love others well. So we need to make sure um, that that is all together in a nice congruent package. Another way that our love for God expresses itself is through uh, living a holy life. When we love God first, we will live holy lives. And it's not necessarily as easy as that sounds, and it's not meaning that once you love God that everything you do becomes holy, but it means um, that we fight to live holy lives out of a response to our love for God. It says in 1 John 5, 3, that loving God means keeping his commands and his commands are not burdensome. If we love God, we will be intentional to live a life that is in alignment with his values. We need to love God enough that we reject any type of sin in our lives. Sin, by definition, is doing anything that is in opposition of God. So how can we say that we love God and be intentional about opposing God at the same time? If we love God, we need to be willing to violently reject sin in our lives. 
So we do not do this to try and earn our salvation, but as a response to that loving grace and forgiveness that God has already offered to us. And since we know we are all sinners saved by grace, we have no need to try and convince each other that we're perfect. What we need to do is allow ourselves to be honest with the sin struggles that we have so that we can overcome them and grow more into the person that God has created us to be. Personally, I struggled with this idea and this notion. Um, I was dealing with secret sin for years and I just couldn't admit it. I thought I could fix it on my own and at the same time save the image that I thought I was creating um, to those around me. But the reality was that I couldn't. I couldn't do it on my own and um, I wasn't as close to looking as perfect as I thought I was anyway. So when we keep sin in our lives, we become slaves to it. We become slaves to those sins and we have to reap the consequences of, of that sin in our lives. We need to love God enough to say, whatever I need to get rid of in my life, I will. Whatever, whatever I need to do to get rid of it, I will. Whoever I need to bring into this situation, I will. God gives us his commands and his law because he knows what is good for us. It isn't burdensome. It is for our own good. And when we understand the truth that Jesus is what justifies us before God, we're able to ask God into the messy situations of our life without shame. He wants us to grow more into the image of Jesus each and every day. And he understands that it will be a process. We need to remain humble in our pursuit to fight to live a holy life each and every day, allowing God to grow us more into the image of Jesus each and every day. We cannot pretend like we have arrived, that we're perfect, that we don't need um, to fight for a holy life anymore. And as fellow believers, um, we are called to walk alongside each other, to bear one another's burdens and to pray for each other. And God is faithful and just to forgive us when we come to him in our weaknesses. So if you need to deal with sin in your life, I encourage you to start to do that today. Bring that into the light. Bring it to God. Bring it to a fellow believer. Allow them to pray for you. Start dealing with that in your life today out of the response for the love that we have for God. And Scott, you can come to the keys. Everything that we do needs to be done out of knowing the love of God Loving the love, knowing the love that God has for us and responding to it out of love and affection back. Charles Spurgeon once challenged his listeners with the notion that our love for God is either a fact in our life or it is not. Either we truly love God or we don't. Each of us needs to answer this question for ourselves. And it's not a trick question. I'm not going to say, uh, no, you don't love God. I'm, I'm asking you, do you love God? Is that what you feel on the inside of you? Is it something that, that moves within your soul? Is it something that you know to be true? That you've seen the beauty of God and you're responding to him in love? 
fact in my life that I love God or isn't it? Is it a fact in my life that it's worth speaking out to other people or isn't it? Is it a fact in my life that I love God because he first loved me? Is it a fact in my life that I love God and therefore I will love other people well? Is it a fact in my life that I love God so much that I'm willing to root out sin from my life? This has been the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week. For more resources, visit us at lifepoint.cc.